0: This is the Rick Edelman Show. Barron's ranks Edelman Financial Engines the number one independent investment advisor in the country. And Rick is in the Barron's Financial Advisor Hall of Fame. Now, here's Rick Edelman. And a very happy weekend to you. Welcome to the Rick Edelman Show. hope your 4th of July celebration is everything that it ought to have been. You know, this is a radio show that is obviously devoted not just to the subject of personal finance, but within that, the subject of investing, because it's kind of hard to separate, right? Investment strategy and saving for your future from the broader issues of personal finance. And uh, we talk often about the latest activities in the field of investments, the the latest uh, scams and and frauds and abuses to help you protect yourself and your family from them, uh, and also the latest investment opportunities that exist. And in that category, the latest opportunity, also laced occasionally with frauds and scams, is the subject of crypto, uh, what I prefer to refer to as digital assets, Uh, Crypto, let's face it, is a scary word, Um, but digital assets, well, that's something that we're all pretty much familiar with. I mean, you live your life digitally these days in so many ways. I mean, when's the last time you paid for something with cash, right? We're using credit cards and debit cards. We're using PayPal and Venmo. We wire money back and forth. We get direct deposit of our paychecks, our pension checks, our social security checks. And so is it any wonder that governments around the world are contemplating the adoption of converting their currencies to digital currencies, known as CBDCs, central bank digital currencies? We're going to talk a lot about that today on the program because it's been a while since I've given you an update on what's going on in the world of blockchain and digital assets If you've been listening to this show over the past almost 10 years, you know that I am a big proponent of this technological innovation. In my opinion, blockchain technology is the most revolutionary technology affecting global commerce since the invention of the Internet itself. And so we need to understand this technology, understand its implications, ramifications, not only on our investment strategy, but our careers. Because as we move to this notion of an authenticated technology, we move away from the trust technology, which has been the basis of commerce on a global basis. What do I mean by that? Well, it's real simple. We trust each other, but we know what Ronald Reagan said. Trust, but verify. So when you go to buy a house, you trust the seller that they have a clear deed to the house and that they're going to sell it to you. But you want to verify it, and that's why you hire a title settlement attorney and why you do a title search and why you buy title insurance. You verify the trust. And that verification process, dealing with the trust industry, adds thousands of dollars to the transaction. It adds weeks, months to settling on that home sale. It doesn't affect the value of the house. It doesn't make the house worth more. It just forces you to spend more. Well, what if we could move from a trust economy to an authenticated economy, where the deed is uploaded onto the Internet in a verified way that is immutable? You can't alter it. You can't change it. You can't delete it. You can't copy it. If it's there, it's there solely, individually, and permanently. And as a result, you don't need to hire that settlement attorney. You don't need to buy title insurance. We disintermediate the economy. That's a big fancy word, isn't it? Disintermediate. What do I mean by that? Well, intermediate is referring to Intermediaries, which, a simpler word, middlemen. Anybody between the buyer and the seller. So when you're buying the house, you're buying it from the seller, there's the two of you, and in between the two of you is the real estate broker, the mortgage broker, the title settlement attorney. All of those are intermediaries to facilitate the transaction between the buyer and the seller. Well, through the authentication industry, we can eliminate those intermediaries. Now, that's great news for you as the buyer because it saves you a lot of time and money when you're buying the house. But if you're a title settlement attorney, if you work for one, you just lost your job. So this intermediation employs millions of Americans, 10 million, according to the Census Bureau. 22% of our national GDP is in industries involving intermediaries. Everybody In between the buyer and the seller, stockbrokers, attorneys, car salesmen, everybody who's in between the buyer and the seller is an intermediary, and the blockchain technology eliminates their need. Great news for buyers and sellers, bad news for people who work in those jobs. And so we need to understand what this technology means, what it offers, the implications, as well as the investment opportunities. And the investment opportunities themselves are shifting to the blockchain. RBC, one of the biggest banks in the world, and the European Investment Bank itself are both selling bonds. Well, there's nothing new about that. They're selling bonds. That's what they do. They do it all the time. Everybody sells bonds. Every corporation on Wall Street, every investment bank, governments around the world, and including local governments, your local city and town, they all sell bonds, corporate bonds, government bonds, municipal bonds. What's so new and newsworthy about what RBC and the European Investment Bank are doing? They're selling bonds via the blockchain. By placing the bonds onto the blockchain, they're able to sell the bonds faster. And they're not the only ones. The World Bank's doing it too. HSBC, Goldman Sachs, Santander, they're all selling digital bonds. HSBC says they're able to cut their underwriting costs 90% dramatically saving them money and increasing the yield that you get as an investor. Just one illustration of how this technology is linked to the investment world. And what about a digital currency? Well, we've been hearing a lot of talk about that. Our own Federal Reserve is investigating the notion of a CBDC, a central bank bank, digital currency, so is every central bank around the world. The European Central Bank and their executive Fabio Panetta said last week that a digital euro would improve consumer privacy. Morgan Stanley says the digital euro might end up holding 8% of that entire continent's bank assets. And already 90% of the world's central banks are working on a digital currency. Widely expected within the next five years... You're going to see digital currencies being issued by most of the world's leading governments because it offers so much opportunity and improvement. But we have to correlate that to what's going on in the world of digital assets. You are familiar with the most famous one, Bitcoin. Even if you don't know what it is or how it works, even if you don't own it or never attempted to, you certainly now have heard of Bitcoin. And you may have heard of something called a Bitcoin crypto winter. What is that? Well, it's something that we're in the midst of right now. A crypto winter is a reference to the equivalent is a stock market crash. You know what that is. You saw that in 2008. You saw that in 2001. You saw that in 1987. You know what a stock market crash is. Well, that's what they call it in the world of digital assets. Bitcoin rose 1,000% in the last year. And in the last couple of months, fell 50%. That's a crypto winter. This has happened a lot of times. Since 2012, there have been 14 occasions where Bitcoin has fallen 30% or more. There have been six occasions where it has fallen 50% or more. And there have been three times it has fallen 80% or more. Ah! So we need to recognize that as any new and emerging, meaning uncertain investment or technological innovation, you have the waves and you have the crashes. And so you have to decide how you feel about that. Are you willing to invest money into something that has such extreme price volatility? Because even though we've had amazing waves in the past, we've also had amazing crashes in the past. And just because you've had them in a cyclical basis, that doesn't mean it's going to happen again. Sometimes people wonder, is this crash the ultimate, the final? And is that about all there's going to be to it? We have to note, for example, a story this past week about Binance. This is the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange network. They do trading volumes of $1.5 trillion every month. That's a big network. They just got kicked out of the United Kingdom and Japan, and Thailand has filed a criminal complaint. Why is Binance getting into so much trouble? Because they've been operating without a license. Binance allows futures trading in crypto. They're now offering stock tokens. They trade digital currencies that look and act like Tesla or Apple. And Binance tried to register its activities with uh, the United Kingdom's Financial Conduct Authority. That's their version of our SEC. But they withdrew their application because they couldn't meet the standards. KYC AML. Know your customer and anti-money laundering. The governments require that exchanges know who they're dealing with. We want to prevent terrorism and drug money. Well, Binance couldn't meet the standard. And so the UK, Japan, Thailand kicked them out. Well, is that something you need to worry about regarding your exchange? We're going to talk about that and a lot more in the world of Bitcoin, blockchain, and digital assets the brave new world of personal finance when we return here on The Rick Edelman Show. So stay with us for more. Triple H Plan Wreck online at ricedelman.com. More with the author of the New York Times bestseller, The Truth About Your Future, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Welcome back to the Rick Evelman Show. We're talking about blockchain, Bitcoin and digital assets and just finished telling you that a big, uh, huge cryptocurrency exchange was just kicked out of England as well as Japan and Thailand. And then there's the news in China. They have just banned Bitcoin mining. That's a big deal because 74% of all the Bitcoin mining in the world, three fourths of it, occurs in China. And China just told all the miners to get out of the country, saying that they don't want their operations to continue. Well, what do you do if you're a Bitcoin miner and you're operating in China? Well, take a look at the example of Zhang Zower. He is 36 years old, a multimillionaire who is a Bitcoin miner in China. He owns 300,000 computers. They operate 24-7 in 20 warehouses in northern China. His computers cost him hundreds of millions of dollars. And China just told him to shut down his operations and get out of the country. So, he is. And guess where he's going? Texas and Tennessee. What's bad news for China is great news for the U.S. New jobs and new operations supporting this incredibly innovative technology. But the fact that you have governments around the world beginning to suggest that they don't want anything to do with some of this stuff, well, that's caused Goldman Sachs to issue a report last month. Their investment strategy group in a research report said, "quote We do not believe that Bitcoin is a long-term store of value or an investable asset class for diversified portfolios. We do not recommend investing in cryptocurrencies as an asset class. That is not to say that it cannot be an ideal asset for speculation or for active traders. We do not have a view on whether prices will rise or fall from current levels. That was a research report from the investment strategy group at Goldman Sachs just last month. Well, apparently, the investment strategy group at Goldman Sachs didn't get the memo. Matthew McDermott the head of digital assets at Goldman Sachs, this week announced that Goldman Sachs is expanding its activities in digital assets. Not just Bitcoin, but also now expanding into Ether. They're going to offer options and futures trading in coming months. The Goldman Sachs digital assets team now has 17 staff. They've invested $5 million into a blockchain company. And last month, they raised $15 million from, guess who... Investors for CoinMetrics, a blockchain data provider for institutional clients, and McDermott is now on their board. Goldman found that 10% of its institutional clients are trading digital assets and 20% more are interested. Matthew McDermott says, quote, institutional adoption will continue. We continue to see a significant amount of interest in this space. I don't know about you, but I find this fascinating. One department within Goldman Sachs says, don't do it. And another department of Goldman Sachs says, we're doing it an awful lot. (laughs) So it looks like the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. And it further illustrates the challenges you have as an investor to decide whether to buy Bitcoin or not. When you have Wall Street firms themselves divided internally, well, how do individual investors and their clients supposed to figure all this out? Meanwhile, Wall Street continues to get engaged elsewhere. NYDIG has filed paperwork for a Bitcoin investment fund. Morgan Stanley says they're going to sell it to their clients. Citigroup has announced they've formed a digital assets group. They're going to help their clients invest in coins, stable coins, NFTs and CBDCs. Goldman Sachs already doing all of that and hedge funds are planning to significantly increase their exposure to digital assets over the next five years. Marshall Weiss, a $55 billion hedge fund, announced this week that it's going to invest in digital assets, buying blockchain technology and payment systems. A new report says that hedge funds over the next five years will hold on average 7% of their assets in Bitcoin and other digital assets. If that proves true, That's over $300 billion that will be invested into Bitcoin and other digital assets. Well, how do you know what digital assets to buy? Well, MSCI is coming along to help you. They're launching indexes for cryptocurrency assets. Standard & Poor's Dow Jones already does. There's the S&P Bitcoin Index, the S&P Ethereum Index, the S&P Crypto Mega Cap Index. According to JP Morgan, 10% of institutional investment firms are now trading digital assets, but half of institutions still call it rat poison. And 80% say they have no intention of starting to invest or trade. Meanwhile, Fidelity is continuing to help institutional investors. They've just unveiled Sherlock, a digital dashboard that gives advisors data on 80 digital assets. And at State Street, one of the world's largest money managers with $40 trillion in assets globally, says they plan to evolve into a multi-asset platform to support trading in digital assets. CEO Ron O'Hanley said, quote, digital assets are quickly becoming integrated into the existing framework of financial services, and it's critical. We have the tools in place to provide our clients with solutions for both their traditional investment needs as well as their increased digital needs. And at BNY Mellon and Goldman Sachs, They've announced that they're starting digital custody units later this year. So clearly and relatively quietly, Wall Street is getting engaged. And by the way, just to illustrate how new this entire conversation is and how we haven't always figured out everything involving it. Well, you know, Tesla, Elon Musk bought a lot of Bitcoin through uh, Tesla. That's created a big tax problem for Tesla. Tesla. Tesla had $1.3 billion worth of Bitcoin as of March 31. Now, digital assets are not currency, says the Federal Reserve and the IRS. They are indefinite, lived, intangible assets. That's a tax term. In other words, if a company buys Bitcoin and the value falls below what the company paid for them, the company has to take an impairment charge. And if later the price rises, the gain is not reportable until the company sells the asset. Well, we know that in the last couple of months, Bitcoin fell 50%. The value was $1.3 billion back in March. Today, the value is about half that. Tesla is going to have to take an impairment charge in the second quarter, maybe as much as $100 million. Did they anticipate that? Did anybody on Wall Street? anticipate this? What else haven't we anticipated? It's just an illustration of how new all this is, and we're experiencing all this for the first time. I'm Rick Edelman. Every week, I like to bring you the latest innovations from the field of exponential technologies. Researchers say a new blood test called GALLERY can detect more than 50 types of cancers that often go undetected until it's almost too late. Right now, according to the National Cancer Institute, there are only four effective tests for cancers, colorectal cancer, lung cancer, breast cancer, and cervical cancer. This new test could be a game-changer for millions of people. The test is already commercially available everywhere in the U.S. except New York, that is. Your doctor can order the test if you're 50 or older or at risk for cancer. The company expects full FDA approval within two years, and here's the thing. The test uses a machine learning algorithm to identify whether or not you're likely to have cancer in a way that is otherwise undetectable. Researchers have now used a drug they call a Trojan horse to kill cancer cells without damaging healthy tissue. Scientists in England, the University of Edinburgh, used a light-activated photosensitizer. It only kills cells after it's activated by a beam of light. This lets a surgeon precisely decide where and when they want to activate the drug. This reduces the risk of destroying nearby healthy tissue and avoids side effects like hair loss. We're hopeful to see this kind of drug therapy being introduced on a more widespread basis. It's a wonderful illustration of we're winning the fight in the war against cancer. I'm Rick Edelman. With all the major banks getting involved, exploring, investigating, developing, and in some cases, launching activities in the area of blockchain and digital assets, are they allowed to? What do the regulators have to say about this? Is there a risk to these firms that they're going to run afoul of the regulators? We'll talk about that when we come back. Here on the Rick Edelman Show. So stay tuned for more. 888-PLAN-RICK-RICK-EDELMAN.COM For more information on what you need to do now, go to Rick Edelman.com. That's Rick Edelman.com. Welcome back to the Rick Edelman Show. We're talking about the state of regulation in the world of blockchain, Bitcoin, and digital assets. Is it possible that the United States might do what China just did? China has banned Bitcoin mining. In the United Kingdom and in Japan and Thailand, they kicked out the world's largest Bitcoin cryptocurrency exchange because it couldn't meet their regulatory standards. Is it possible? that our regulators in the United States, our legislators, might engage in the same thing. Well, they're all working on it in the House. Democrats there have formed a working group on crypto. And in the Senate, they're not sitting idly either. In fact, Senator Cynthia Loomis of Wyoming this week said that she's encouraging investors to buy Bitcoin. She says it's a way for you to diversify your retirement savings. She said, quote, I see Bitcoin as a great store of value. I buy Bitcoin, and I hold Bitcoin. She's a Republican, and she joined with Democrat Senator Kirsten Sinema of Arizona to create the Financial Innovation Caucus. In a UBS survey of the world's central banks, these are, you know, like our central bank is the Federal Reserve. Every country's got one. And UBS just did a survey of them all, and 25%, of the world's central bankers say that Bitcoin and other digital assets have investment potential because they are uncorrelated assets. 80% of central bankers said they expected every major country to offer a central bank digital currency within the next five years. You will soon have a digital dollar, according to this prediction. Why are the bankers saying that they're doing this? They say that it will enhance the world's retail payment system. It'll improve clearing and settlement. It'll reduce crime and money laundering. China already has its digital currency in trials. Bahama launched the sand dollar last year. Sweden says they're going to launch their digital currency next year. And El Salvador has become the first country to approve Bitcoin as legal tender. It takes effect in three months of the population in El Salvador don't have access to traditional financial services. The World Bank, though, rejected El Salvador's request for help with implementing Bitcoin as legal tender. So you've got some advancing with it and some still resistant. Hong Kong is also on the list. They say they're going to debut their digital currency by 2025. And the European Union has plans for a digital wallet. They want the countries within the EU to have a safe way for their citizens to access services online. The digital wallet will securely store payments and passwords and let citizens from all 27 countries log into local government websites where they can pay utility bills using a single ID, for example. Users will be able to store official documents, such as a driver's license. They'll be able to use the app to access fingerprint and retina scanning. All of this through blockchain technology. And Infosys, a huge IT consulting company, 250,000 employees, based in India. Its chair is calling on India to embrace digital assets as an asset class. Let it be bought and sold like a commodity, he says. He said, quote, just like you have some of your assets in gold or real estate, you can have some of your assets in crypto. And then there's DeFi, decentralized finance, the next big thing that's coming. This is where you deposit assets onto the blockchain as collateral. Last year, there was a billion dollars on DeFi platforms. Now, There's $100 billion, a 100x increase in just one year. Oh, and who's developing all this stuff? Well, one such person is a fellow named Gajesh Naik. Gajesh is a developer of a DeFi protocol, and he's managing $7 million in cryptocurrency on his digital platform. He's 13 years old. Well, you say we try that one again, huh? (laughs) Yeah, he's 13. He says, quote, age is just a number. Well, I think he's onto something because you can send your kids to summer camp in Los Angeles, a one week program. They accept children as young as age five. This is not an ordinary summer camp, it's a crypto kids camp over five days, a crash course in how to mine Bitcoin and how to buy digital assets. Last week's camp had 26 kids from age 5 to 17. A minority of them were white. The majority were black or Hispanic. At Piper Sandler, they say 9% of teenagers have traded Bitcoin or digital assets. Why? The kids say that a digital wallet is more exciting than a bank savings account. And then there's Norton antivirus software. Do you use it? Millions of people use Norton antivirus to protect their computers. One of the best known antivirus software makers, they're now allowing their customers to use the software to mine for Ethereum, pooling millions of users. See, mining is a solo act and it's very expensive, very difficult to do. But your computer is probably turned on 24-7. I'll bet you never turn it off. You're really not supposed to. So when your computer is sitting idle, the Norton antivirus software will use your computer to mine for Bitcoin. You'll earn money simply by having your computer turned on, making it easy for everybody to become a Bitcoin or Ethereum miner of course, it's not just 13-year-old kids who are building DeFi protocols. Solana Labs has raised over $300 million to develop decentralized finance technology. And there's also a company now that's offering a platform for companies that's letting workers buy digital assets in their 401k. This is becoming mainstreaming. Over the next several years, I'm convinced... That it'll be ubiquitous. Owning Bitcoin, or having, I should say, the opportunity to own Bitcoin, will be as routine as it is to own gold. You can have gold in any one of a number of accounts, and nobody really thinks twice about it. In the future, I think that's what people are going to believe about digital assets as well. And what about those assets? NFTs. You've been hearing a lot about those non-fungible tokens. The NBA is big on this with what they call the NBA Top Shot, the National Basketball Association. $700 million in sales in less than a year. A quarter of a million people log on to their site every single day. The LeBron James NFT sold for $300,000, but they've done over 3 million trades of less than 50 bucks a piece. Dapper Labs, the NFT development firm behind all this, is now valued at $7.5 billion. Mythical Games is a video game startup. You win NFTs as you play. Burberry is providing NFTs featured in the game. You can dress up your avatar in Burberry clothing. Worldwide, people spend $50 billion a year on digital items they use to play their video games. There's no value when the player loses interest in the game. When you stop playing, the money you spent on that avatar is gone. But people are spending that money anyway because they're enjoying it, having a good time. In Mythical Games, players own their virtual clothes. They can sell their clothing to other players. Burberry is making 100,000 NFTs for the game. And Mythical Games raised $120 million from investors to facilitate this. The biggest medical innovation in years, and no, I'm not changing the conversation, CRISPR technology and cancer immunotherapy. Revolutionary approach to treating cancer was developed by James Allison. He was a professor at Berkeley. He won the Nobel Prize. Berkeley is digitizing their research papers and turning it into digital art, selling them as NFTs. This is like the scientific equivalent of Mickey Mantle's rookie baseball card. Berkeley is also auctioning the papers for CRISPR technology invented by Jennifer Doudna. She's also a Nobel winner. And then there's Sir Tim Berners-Lee. He invented the World Wide Web in 1989. He wrote the code, but he never patented it. He released it for free in the public domain. His code was digital, of course, never written on paper. Now they're turning that digital document into an NFT Sotheby sold it at auction last week for $5.4 million. Everybody's getting in on the NFT action. Katy Perry, Boxer Floyd Merriweather, the United States Space Force, they're doing NFTs. Porsche, Mattel, the New York Times, McLaren, Jay-Z, they're all launching NFTs. Total sales for the first six months of the year, $2.5 billion. And it's still growing, a record high in June, 20,000 buyers a week people are really into nfts and so are charities and i'll tell you how they're getting involved with nfts when we return here on the rick edelman show 888 plan rick online at ricedelman.com the New York Times bestseller, Discover the Wealth Within You, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Welcome back to The Rick Edelman Show. I just finished telling you that charities are now getting involved with non-fungible tokens. NFT for good is an organization that has raised $80,000 selling NFTs. They're donating all the money to anti-racism causes. Nora health auctioned an NFT in May sold it for $5 million. Alex's lemonade stand using artwork drawn by children with cancer, creating NFTs. They're going to auction them in September. The cost of creating an NFT is under a thousand dollars. It can be done actually virtually for free. And so a lot of organizations like the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, Save the Children, they're all engaging in NFTs. It's a fundraising activity. Merriam-Webster, the Dictionary, they're auctioning off the definition of NFT, and they're donating the proceeds to Teach for All, MLB, NHL, NFL. They've all announced NFT auctions with plans to donate the proceeds to charity. Gannett, the parent of USA Today, they've launched an NFT auction celebrating the 50th anniversary of Alan Shepard delivering the first newspaper to the moon. The auction will benefit the Air Force Space and Missile Museum Foundation. I mean, NFTs are everywhere. Now people are even selling and buying furniture, houses, and land that only exist as NFTs. Superworld, geographically mapped onto the real world, divided into 64 billion plots. Each one is 300 by 300 feet that covers the entire surface of the earth. You can virtually own land where you live, or better yet, the Eiffel Tower, the Roman Colosseum, the Empire State Building, your childhood home. The price is 0.1 Ethereum, 250 bucks. People will own Land virtually. Well, how do you decide all this? How do you decide whether you should engage in this? Should you be buying Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of the other digital assets? There are 10,000 of them. Should you be buying non-fungible tokens. How do you decide what to buy? How do you decide when to buy? When should you sell? Well, Marin Altman will help you. She's got 1 million TikTok followers and she predicts Bitcoin. 22 years old. How does she do it? She's an astrologer. Olive. Yeah, the SEC is very concerned about fraud that is existing in the crypto space. They have now sued crypto promoters who raised $2 billion from investors promising 40% monthly returns. In the United Kingdom, their version of the SEC says investors should be prepared to lose all their money when investing in digital assets. But less than 10% of people in England have heard of those warnings. But 4% of adults in London own Bitcoin. And a third of them who own it are not able to define what they own. You should never buy an investment that you don't understand. NCR and NIDIG, it's getting more and more mainstreamed NCR and NYDIG are partnering with community banks and credit unions. This year, 24 million bank customers from 650 banks across the country will be able to trade Bitcoin on their phones. 40% of all financial institutions touching virtually every household in America. 18 million more people will now have the ability to buy, sell, and hold Bitcoin via their bank. And in the United Kingdom, they're asking the question, is Bitcoin gambling? In surveys, consumers are increasingly saying, no, it's not. A year ago, half of people in Great Britain said Bitcoin is equal to gambling. Now, only 38% say that. But I don't know what Mark Cuban would say. The billionaire hyped up the coin Titan on June 13th. Within three days of Mark Cuban telling his audience that he loved the coin Titan Titan skyrocketed to $65. But then, on June 16th, Titan crashed to becoming virtually worthless. Cuban won't say how much he lost, but he's now calling for more regulation. Oh, please give me a break. Regulation can't fix stupid. You know, one of the big criticisms of Bitcoin is that it's a, it's a silly asset. You own it, but that's all it does. It doesn't produce any income. You don't earn interest when you buy Bitcoin. There's no dividend. It doesn't pay interest. No income. Well, now you can. It's called yield farming. There are platforms offering yields on crypto balances of as much as 12%. The products are often advertised as savings wallets or interest accounts. They appear to be a safe way to buy Bitcoin, but there's very little regulatory oversight or consumer protection. There's no FDIC. Gemini has 100,000 customers who have lent $2 billion in Bitcoin and other digital assets, earning 7.5%. The loans, however, are to, quote, unidentified third parties. Now, just keep this in mind. People are taking their Bitcoin, lending it online to people they don't know, earning 7.5%. If you were to buy a junk bond, the yield these days is 6.5%. In other words, you're earning more lending your Bitcoin than you would earn by buying a junk bond. You need to keep that in mind because that suggests that there are very, very significant risks associated with Bitcoin lending. So before you try to engage in that attitude, ask yourself, why did you buy Bitcoin in the first place? And what's motivating you to trying to lend it out to somebody on the hope that you're going to earn some interest on it? I was talking with one fellow the other day, and I said, why did you buy Bitcoin? He said, I expect it to triple in value. And I said, are you lending it? And he said, yes, and I'm earning 7%. I said, wait a minute. If you're expecting to triple your money, what difference does the 7% make? He just kind of stared at me like he had never thought of the question. So you got to ask yourself, what are you doing Why are you doing it? Don't let greed take over. And something else you got to be thinking about. There's a Bitcoin billionaire, sadly died last week. uh, Murcia Popescu, 41 years old. He drowned off the coast of Costa Rica, very sadly last week. He was one of the wealthiest people in the Bitcoin community, reportedly worth $2 billion worth of Bitcoin. But he's now died. And the speculation is, that his $2 billion of Bitcoin are gone forever because nobody knows what his private key was. Nobody knows his password. With no access to his account, there's no access to the $2 billion worth of Bitcoin. If you're going to own Bitcoin, that's a big if, if you're going to own digital assets, You need to engage in effective estate planning. How will your heirs be aware of your account and access to it? And be aware of this. The FTC is worried about consumers losing money to crypto scams. $82 million in the past six months lost to crypto scams, 10 times more than a year ago. So be very careful before you decide to engage in this asset class. Make sure you get good financial advice. Is it appropriate? Is it suitable? Is it in your best interests? Do you know the counterparties you're dealing with? Do you know how to go about it effectively? Are you placing too much of your money in this in the first place? It's okay to take a risk, but as General Patton said, there's no reason to be rash. Well, I bet you're exhausted by now. We've been talking about blockchain, Bitcoin, and digital assets, non-fungible tokens, decentralized finance. It's exhausting. There's so much new technology. How do you keep up with it all? Well, I got bad news for you. We ain't done yet. In addition to everything else we've got going on, I'm going to introduce to you DAOs, D A O decentralized autonomous organizations the first one was approved in wyoming on july 1st just a week ago called american crypto fed dao the organization's mission to introduce a new monetary system daos now hold 840 million dollars in assets a month ago only 240 million a four x increase in one month daos the next big thing in digital assets I'm Rick Edelman. My goal and focus here is to provide you the education, information and knowledge you need about Bitcoin, blockchain and digital assets so you can make decisions that are in your best interest. There are tremendous, exciting investment opportunities and tremendously scary pitfalls and risks that equally go along with it. I'm Rick Edelman. Thanks for joining us on the program today. There's a lot more to the Rick Edelman show this week. Our full podcast online is filled with additional stories and topics, including the latest on the housing market and all the shenanigans surrounding Robin Hood. All that and more on this week's podcast at RickEdelman.com. See you next week. The Truth About Money Every weekend on The Rick Edelman Show